Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. God is good. Yes, he is. And all the time, he is good. Amen. So tonight is the final um, night in the series, The Old Nature versus the New. And so tonight, we're going to bring it on home with the celebration. But I want to mention before I get started that um, when we began uh, part two, the conflict, I was unable to finish. And I realized at that moment when I was unable to finish that it wasn't uh, fair to those who were actually present that night to not to be able to hear the conclusion because maybe they wouldn't be able to be here on that third night. And so what I've done is I have a handout for you. For those who were present at the first, um, the first night of the conflict, if you were present but you weren't here the third night when I continued, then if you would see Brother Leslie after the, the uh, service, he will give you my notes. And so that's only if you were not here during the second um, part of that teaching. So I do have the notes for you. And so as we continue, I want to read something to you. Slavery in the United States was abolished by the 13th Amendment on December 18, 1865. How many slaves were there on December 19th? In reality, none, but many still live like slaves. They did, not, they did because they never learned the truth. Others knew and even believed that they were free, but chose to continue living as they had always been taught. The plantation owners despaired, we're ruined. We've lost the battle to enslave our slaves. Not so fast, others replied, as long as they still think they're slaves. Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation will have no practical effect. Keep your slaves from learning the truth and they will not challenge your control over them. And I thought that that was so appropriate to read tonight because I believe that at times, us, we as believers, that we still carry this mentality that we are still in some way enslaved to the power of sin. And the Bible never says, the New Testament never says that sin would be eradicated from our lives. It just says that we now have the power over it because we now have a new, na- a new nature. And so we as believers, oftentimes, we're either one of two extremes. And the first one is we either see ourselves only as forgiven sinners, 
but not renewed saints. We understand justification, but we don't walk in our regeneration. Or we understand ourselves to be saved from sin, that's salvation, but not victorious over sin. That's redemption. But when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we transferred from sinners to saints. Our position is that we are saints and we are living our sainthood down here on earth. Amen? Amen. So how many saints do I have in the house? Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. And so as we continue, um, tonight is the celebration. So we've gone through the conversion, the conflict, the command, and the command is to do what? To put, uh-huh, and, uh-huh, yep. So now we're into the celebration. But I want us to just briefly go over just a couple of terms, a few terms, about six of them, um, so that we can stay familiarized with them. And then I'm going to introduce um, another one to you. So justification, the act of God declaring his righteousness to the account of the believing sinner. Righteousness, meeting the holy and righteous standards of God. Sanctification, set apart from the unholy to the holy. And then our positional sanctification sanctification is we are already forgiven and changed that is our new nature and then progressive sanctification is our demonstrating how we make real in our daily experience what is already true about us which is that which is already true about us it's also the process or result of God continuing to work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and then the new term that I'm introducing tonight, hallelujah, is glorification. Now glorification is the final dimension of Christian salvation. That's our celebration. It is the final dimension of Christian salvation, which includes eternal life in heaven and eternal glorifying of God. That's glorification. Because we are in a progressive move. We were justified. We are now walking in sanctification. That's where we are right now. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day where we shall trade these bodies for our glorified body. That's good news because Jesus is coming again. And I think at times we don't, we, it's not that we forget it, but we're not often reminded of it, that he is coming again for his church. And so as a result of that, we are going to receive our glorification. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as, as we progress. What we're going to do is spend most of our time um, in uh, chapter 8 of Romans. But before we get there, Romans chapter 5 talks about justification. And Romans 6 through 8 talks about sanctification. And so that's where we're going to find ourselves um, tonight because that's the place where we are right now. 
And so, in light of our justification, the Apostle Paul reminds us, though, in Romans chapter 6, from verses 1 through 2, um, that basically, and I'm paraphrasing, that, 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 that just because we're justified, it doesn't give us the excuse, then, to continue in sin. He said, may it never be. May it never be. So we don't continue in it just because we have been justified. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, as he's talking and he's writing to the Ephesians, he tells them to basically to conduct yourself according to your new way of living. He tells them that they are no longer to act as the Gentiles. Now, keeping in mind that the Ephesians were Gentiles, but he tells them that now you're no longer to continue to act in that way because now you are different. It's no more about a culture or familiar, uh, a familiar um, um, connection. You have been changed. And so now you are no longer to act in the way in which you once was. Because now you are different. You have been changed. Why? Because you did not learn Christ in this way. You did not learn him in the way to continue to act as though you are unregenerate. And then in chapter 7, the Apostle Paul gets personal because he begins to open up about himself. And he begins to open up about his own struggle. And so he begins to talk about um, to the point where you can sense his frustration in the passage. And we're going to turn there. Uh, that's Romans chapter 7 starting at verse 19. Now keep in mind, he's, he's, he's sharing with us. We're reaping from this after the many years ago uh, that this was written, that we can now be partakers and glean from this as well. And so he's sharing his frustration with his own battle with the flesh. And so look at verse 19, chapter 7. And he says, For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that is I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. But I love verse 24, because what he says is this, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Then look at 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other hand, 
with my flesh the law of sin. And the reason why I love that verse so much is because Paul's answer in verse 25 is triumphant and immediate. Because what he understands and what he knows is the end of the story. That's what he knows. He knows the end of the story. And that's why he can declare and proclaim as he did in 25. And I really believe that what is going to help us in these days to come is if we know the end of the story. That is where our power is going to come from. Knowing that this is just momentary affliction. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day when Jesus comes back that this is all going to be over. So I have to know the end of the story. And so as we go into, um, oh, uh, before I go there. Mm -hmm. So now as we... Thinking of glorification, what do you think then our sin capacity will be? Because remember, as the unregenerate person, that person is unable to not sin. They have, they have not, the old nature. So that's just what they do. They sin. So, but the regenerate person, the person now that has been changed, now our sin capacity is what? Huh? Somebody said, what was it? That's right. Able to not sin. But when we are glorified, what do you think our sin capacity will be? Zero, zilch, unable to sin. That's what we have to look forward to. We walk through this life with our heads hanging down and, and, and sad and, and, and discombobulated and undone when the end of our story is awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. No matter how we began, no matter what happened in the middle, the end of our story is awesome. It's awesome. And so as we go into chapter 8, and I tried my best not to have us to have to read this whole chapter, but it just... We, we just have to read it because thank God for chapter 8. Because in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul begins to describe the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And the indwelling of the Holy Ghost to help us as we walk this walk of sanctification that we're not in this thing by ourselves, that he is 
the divine source and power of sanctification. That it is through him that we are able to be victorious. That's the secret for spiritual victory in our daily living, is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then the question is, are we to spend our lives frustrated over this, as Paul calls, this body of death or this body of sin? Are we to live constantly always frustrated? No, no. Is there victory provided? Yes. So we can live a righteous life through the spirit of life who is the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at the first uh, Romans 8, 1 through 17. What Romans 8, 1 through 17 encompasses is this. The spirit of life produces righteousness as we walk with him. Produces righteousness as we walk with him, meaning that we're following him. We're going along with him. So as we walk with him, and we say righteousness, we're talking about the ability to live right. That's what we're talking about, the ability to live right. And so it's the spirit of life that produces righteousness as we walk with him. A, righteousness is possible because Christ has freed us from the law of sin and death. So let's, let me read. Romans 8. Therefore, excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law. God, the law, excuse me, of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to, to him. And if Christ is in you through the body, though, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. When we look in that first verse, what we understand is therefore there is now no commendation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no punishment awaiting those who are in Christ. That when we go before the Lord, it's about reward. It's not about punishment. It is about reward. It's because of our faith in Christ and our identification with, with him. So in God's court of law, we have been found not guilty because of the blood. We have been found not guilty. We have been freed from the law of sin and death to walk after the Holy Spirit instead of after the flesh. B, righteousness is possible as we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We walk by what we meditate on. That's what verse 5 through 6 is talking about. We walk by what we meditate on. So the choice is the Spirit or the flesh. And we have to decide what we're going to choose. From one day to the next day, from one moment to the next moment, what am I going to choose? Spirit or flesh? Spirit or flesh? Spirit or flesh? I choose. We have to choose. And so walking according to the flesh, we understand that it brings death. But walking according to the spirit brings life. See, righteousness is possible as we battle the practices of the body. That's what it's talking about in verses 10 through 13. So what the Spirit does is the Spirit of God quickens us. That even though we are in these bodies, that the Spirit of God can revive and can restore. And so we owe nothing to the body, and we owe nothing to this flesh. Nothing whatsoever. And the good news is we don't have to obey it. We make the choice to obey it. And so the power of sin has been broken. And so as we put off the deeds of the flesh, those habits and those practices and so forth, we're going to live. And so oftentimes, before I even begin to seek any counsel on anything, I have to make an assessment as to what's going on in my life. I have to make an assessment. Because oftentimes, we're spending unneedless time talking to other people about things when if we just looked inwardly, we would be able to pinpoint some things 
in our lives that's stirring all this stuff up. Because remember what the world, what the world does is it begins to blow <laughs> on the desire. It'll start. <sighs> if it's this one little spark, it'll start blowing on. Because you know, I watch those shows, those little survival shows and whatnot. And, and this how they will start a fire. And one thing I learned is that what they teach you is that you got to blow. You got to put some air on that thing to get that, thing, that flame going. And that's what the world does. Start blowing on you. And so when things are going kind of crazy, sometimes we got to say instead of blaming it, on, blaming it on the devil, it's like, okay, what the world blowing on in me? What is the devil trying to incite in me? Where is he in my life trying to undermine the work of Christ in my life? Pinpoint that thing. And D, righteousness is possible in the family. That's verses 14 through 17. The Holy Spirit is helping us to become an integral part of the family of God through the sanctification process. And that's why we can't run when we think things are getting a little bit tough relationally. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying, making us more like Christ. To say, are you gonna cuss out your ministry co-laborer? Or what you, what you gonna do? Flesh or spirit? Every moment, I got to choose. But it's that sanctification process. And so as going into Romans 8, uh, 18 through 39, and let me see here. What am I do? Okay, I will start reading. Let's see. So number two is the spirit of life produces righteousness as we trust him. So the first one was the spirit of righteousness produces life as we walk with him. And now the second is the spirit of life produces righteousness as we trust him. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, glorification. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For, for why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That is oftentimes our challenge, is that persevering 
in that, that waiting, that oftentimes tends to, to trip us up. But hopefully we will learn as we go through this in a minute um, that you will be encouraged to continue to wait. I'm not talking about waiting on a husband, a wife, a house. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about waiting for that which we are expecting, and that is our glorification, because we know the end of the story. And so what it shows us is there is a lot more bigger eternal things that we are waiting for than those things which are considered in this realm to be temporal that there is much more to this thing than we oftentimes really understand, okay? And so, verses uh, 18 uh, through, through 25, um, and so glory is to be revealed to us in the future, that the kind of glory that will make our present sufferings look like one day sniffles. That's, the, that's what we're waiting to be revealed in the future. And so focusing on that future hope is what's going to help us now. It's going to help us because we know, as I said, there is more than what we see right now. There is so, so, so much more, so much more. And I'm going to move on. Um, B, now, now A, um, trust his picture of the future. That's what we just, trusting his picture of the future. So the spirit of life produces righteous, righteousness as we trust him, but as we trust his picture of the future. Meaning, again, is that there is more than what meets the eye. And we have to begin all the more to look at this life through spiritual eyes. To look at this life through spiritual eyes and to look at life through this word. We have to. It is essential. B, we, uh, we trust this picture of the future and then we must trust his plan. We must trust his plan. His plan includes helping us to pray. And that's what verses 26 through 30 um, talks about, and I'll read it. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts know what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not the will of the saints, but according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
and whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. We see another ministry of the Holy Spirit here. And what we see is that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. That he intercedes with groanings that are too deep for words. That's powerful to me. Because in a sense, is that as he, we are walking along with him, that we have uh, uh, situations and whatnot going on, but it says that the Holy Spirit grieves even greater than we do. And this is who we have on the inside of us. So we are the most blessed people that we know because not only do we have Jesus who was sit sitting on the right hand of God interceding on our behalf, but then here come the Holy Spirit interceding on us with groanings too deep for words. So we covered on every side, up there and down here. We are covered. We are covered. So what you sad about? When you got Jesus and the Holy Ghost praying for you. What's all that about? What is all of that about? And so the key is that we must trust in his plan. We must trust in his plan. Because when you look at that, what it shows you is that God, and it is so astounding to me, because God's plan for salvation, that it reaches from eternity past until to eternity future. And he carries it out and he's able to carry it out perfectly. And so the key word in that, that passage, in that verse 28, the key word is good. The key word is good. And so the goodness of our Father's heart should give us hope. It should give us hope that he causes all things, not some, but all things. All things. All things to work for the good of them who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So he called us out of darkness. And the thing about that was he predestined it before eternity. That should deal with low self-esteem and low self-worth and all those worth this and worth and low and low that. All, that should deal with all of that. It should deal with all of it. And then see, we must trust his love. We must trust his love. We must trust his picture of the future. 
We must trust his plan, and we must trust his love. Where do we get the knowledge that God loves us? Is it from our feelings? No, no. Is it this warm, gushy moments? No, because we know those come and those go. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, it comes from realizing that God made the ultimate sacrifice for us and for our benefit. That's the truth that we live by. Whether I feel it or not, that is the truth that I live by. So it comes from realizing that God made the ultimate sacrifices for our benefit. The cross screams God's love. The cross screams God's love. The Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf screams God's love. So then how can I walk around here talking about I don't feel loved? Because the cross is screaming it out. You are loved. Because God demonstrated his love, his own love for us, that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That screams love. So stop walking around here talking about you not loved and you don't feel loved. That's an excuse for you to just act mean. Just be honest. No more. You have no excuse whatsoever. None. And so then as we about to close and wind down, recognizing what, what we just talked about, Paul then asked seven questions to drive home his truth about the believer's salvation. Okay? Because if I'm loved by God, then let's read verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? <laughs> Every time I read that, that just does something to me. <laughs> so it says, what then? What things? The fact that I was called, the fact that I was predestined, and the fact that I'm going to be glorified and can't nobody do nothing about it. Because the Lord holds us in his hand, and nothing and no one can snatch us out. Nothing. And so then what then shall I say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also him freely give us all things? Who will bring charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Nobody else could justify but God. Nobody. Hallelujah. Who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died. That's why can't nobody condemn us. Because nobody else died for us. 
And that's what you got to remember. When you're dealing with some contrary uh, spirits and whatnot, you got to remind yourself they didn't die for me. <laughs> who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, he is who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and that's what we have to be. We have to be convinced. Say to yourself, I'm convinced. Say it again. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. That's deep right there shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And so what are the, what's the implication? It is possible to live a righteous life through the power of the Holy Spirit by walking with him and by trusting him. And so the question then I have to ask myself is how then shall I live? Because after reading this powerful chapter in Romans, I then have to ask, say to myself, in light of Romans 8, I will what? Do what? Because this involves action. So I can hear the word, but hearing alone is not going to suffice. James tells me that I have to be a doer of the word. And so I encourage you to read Romans 12, chapter 1 through 15, because it talks about conduct of righteousness. And maybe after reading that, then you can fill in that blank. Okay? Seriously. You know, I, got to, I have to do the same thing. And so as we end... The whole objective of this study, because I'm learning that as I go forth, whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, I have to have an objective and I have to have an aim. Because then what that does for those who want to teach, want to preach, take this, this is a nugget. You have to know where you're going, okay? And so our objective was that believers will come to know that the old man nature, sin nature, is dead. And through, and through the power of the Holy Spirit can live or start living the new alive person that we are in Jesus Christ. That's what our objective was. And so what I did was I put um, an email address and you see it on the screen. And the purpose of that is, now let me just say this, that if you respond, you're only going to be getting me. I'm the only one who checks that. 
So anything outside of that pertains to the Bible study or the school of ministry, I probably won't be able to help you. And so I would have to, so if you want to talk with one of the pastors or someone else, then you would have to, con this is not a way to get them. This is how you're going to get me. And so what I want you to do is that, is to share with me, and this is optional, just share with me what you got out of the study. Also, if you have some questions, because it may be something that I said that you didn't understand. And so send me an email and we'll walk through it. Now keep in mind, if you ask me a question now, you know, there may be some work involved on your part. Okay, so don't come with the expectation that, you know, I'm gonna do all the work or provide all the answers, because I may not know, okay? So, but we'll work it through, but that's what that is, is for. Wanna hear from you how it impacted, but also if you have any questions, all right? So stand to your feet, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.